to meet here, to worship Him, to know there's still a place where we can praise His name. And we thank Him for that. It's good to see you here this evening. Let's go please together to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you and we praise you. We, we hallow your name. And Lord God, we know that uh, based on your word that your will will not be done in the lives of so many people. But it is your will that all be saved. We pray, Lord God, that your will be done in our lives. That all things that we ask and pray, we pray with humility and desire to do your work and do your will. And we ask, Lord God, that you will bless us and that your will, Lord God, will uh, be done specifically in our lives and that you use us in a way that you see fit. Thank you for Jesus, your great son. In his name we do pray and thank thee. Amen. We're going to Hebrews chapter 2. I want us tonight, I need you to help me in this sermon. I need to develop the sermon, so it will take two to develop it and really kind of start getting into it. But I want you to think about tonight, I know the title is The Temptation of Jesus uh, at the Cross, but I want you thinking about emotion tonight, okay? You know, we have had uh, a bad day. <laughs> you, you, you've been there maybe. And our emotions aren't necessarily always intact. And we're, we're vulnerable when we're having a bad, a bad day. And I want us to look at that and think about Jesus in, in light of emotions and, and temptation. So give me a bit just to develop this, this thought. So Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 16. We know that he was sinless. We know that he was perfect and is perfect. For shortly he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendants of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brethren in all things, that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. So he became like his brethren in all things. So we're thinking about, again, we're grabbing the idea, the thoughts of emotion. Chapter 4, verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and may find grace to help in the time of need, maybe in an emotional strife or struggle in our lives. But he became like us. And so he had emotions. Psalm 22, please. I mean, God has emotions. God has emotions now. We know we can read the Bible and we can read through the scriptures and see that the Godhead has emotions. Lots of emotions uh, based on the scriptures. When we're dealing with emotional trauma... It makes us vulnerable, right? And susceptible to, to many things. And in Psalm 22, we get some of the emotion of, of Jesus even on the cross. Verse 7, it says, All who see me uh, sneer at me, they separate with the lip, they wag the head, saying, and he goes on, Imagine, you're on your, you're, let's call it a deathbed. Or you're really sick. And, and people come to visit you. And when they come to visit you, all they do is 
is mock you and sneer at you or ridicule you on your deathbed. They come and they point the finger at you and they, how would you feel? Going on in verse 11. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They open wide their mouth at me, a revening and a roaring lion. I'm a poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. So Jesus was heartbroken. There's no question about it, right? Psalm 69. Now why is this so important? I'm bringing this out and wanting you to think about the emotion of Jesus because Jesus couldn't sin in mind or in thought either. See, things that we're not told about, about, well, how did Jesus feel at this moment and this hour, and then, and, then, and then what did Jesus think in his mind? Whatever he thought in his mind had to be righteous, even on the cross. Even in this, in this emotional strife or struggle that he was in. Just showing you how perfect our Savior truly was. And, I want you to grab this thought, Jesus can truly say, he knows, Right? You can bring up any emotion. He can say, I've been there. He's been tempted in all points like we, but he also has struggled like we do. In Psalm 69, and the verse is uh, 4. Imagine this. Those who hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of my head. Those who would destroy me are powerful, being wrongfully my enemies. What I did not steal, I then have to restore. So imagine walking into it. You know that awkward feeling? Turn to Philippians 2. The awkward feeling when you, you walk into a room and you, you walk into a room and you didn't even know that all of your enemies would be there and you, you walk in there and there's this awkward silence. You ever been there before? <laughs> so Jesus walked into a world and his enemies were there. The Bible says they were many. And yet he had to maintain his composure and his attitude had to be solid and it had to be right on point every step of the way. And in Hebrews chapter 2, I mean Philippians, excuse me, chapter 2 and verse 5, have this attitude in yourselves which also was in Christ Jesus, even when you're having a bad day. That, that's a big step, church, right? To, to, to compose yourself and remain cool, calm, and collective in the, in the presence of your enemies and in a, in a bad situation, to have a good attitude, a godly attitude who although he existed in the form of God did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself taking the form of a bond servant and being made in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross Jesus our Savior what does that mean to you? So now I want to look just at the, the judgment of the cross for just a moment. The scene of the cross, Matthew 26. And I want us to think about, you know, maybe Jesus was, by the time he got to the cross, or by the time he got to, to Pilate, maybe he was a, a little bit irritable. Now being irritable is not a sin, right? He's just a little bothered. And why would he be a little, a little bothered or, or flustered? Well, Matthew 26 and verse 36, we know the text says this. And then Jesus came 
with him to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and distressed. And then he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as thou will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So, so you men couldn't keep watch with me for one hour? And, and Jesus, who knows, he knows how tired they are. And, and, he, and he knows, he knows what, what, what they're going through and what they're about to go through, right? And he goes to the Father and he prays and, and then he comes back and he, he says it not once, but every time he comes back and, and says, you couldn't stay awake with me for just, for just an hour? I think Jesus physically might be feeling a little bit alone right now. The night that Judas comes, the same night, shortly after this, Judas comes along and, and Judas isn't going to do any good for anyone. In Matthew 26 and in verse 34, Judas is, is, is not going to do any good. Jesus said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, this very night before the cock crows, you shall deny me three times. And Peter said to him, even if, if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same thing too. I think Jesus is feeling a little bit alone because he knows what's going to happen. They're going to abandon him. In that, in that moment, in that hour when Jesus, when Jesus would, need, would need some, maybe some support, maybe, you know how we would feel. Like if, I just, if someone would just be on my side, if someone could just give me, just lend me a little bit of support. And yet, in verse 56, the Bible says, but all this is taking place at the scriptures of the prophets may be fulfilled and all the disciples left him in place. Just feeling a little bit alone. And what do you do in life, in your emotions, and in your mind, when, you're, when everybody deserts you, when everyone abandons you, when you, the people you thought would be there for you are not? You, you feel a little alone and, and you feel a little, a little distraught. You feel a, a little desperate maybe. I don't know what was going on through the mind of Jesus, but from a human standpoint, oh, what a difficult time it is for Jesus to maintain his composure and to be perfect in thought. And then, if you will, we have in verse 59. This illegal trial begins. And have you ever been in a situation where, where you're, you're there and you're listening to people talk and, and then the lies begin? And, and you know their lies, and you start going, wow, that's, those are lies. And what if it's against you? How do you feel when, when a mob of people, or, or maybe one individual, just begins to accuse you of things that, that you know they know isn't true, you know it's an outright lie, you know everyone around you knows it's a lie, but no one cares. That's what happened to our Lord. In verse 59, the lies began. Now the chief priests and the whole council kept trying to obtain false testimony against Jesus in order that they might put him to death. And they did not find any, even though many false witnesses came forward. But later on, two came forward. And of course, they made a great lie. But notice, they were telling a lie to put him to death. Not, not just to lie on him, 
and, and, and prove themselves right. But to find a lie that would put him to death. And they could find none, but they kept trying. And Jesus, in the midst of his enemies, having been abandoned, deserted by his own disciples who told him they would be there for him, but left him, he prayed to the Father and came back and they couldn't stay awake for just an hour to, just to stick with him. The disciples who, who promised, Lord, we're with you. It just keeps getting worse. And then in verse 63, but Jesus kept silent. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God, that you tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, You have said it yourself. Nevertheless, I tell you, hereafter you shall see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robe, saying, He has blasphemed. What further need do we have of witness or witnesses? Behold, you have now heard the blasphemy. And what do you think? And they answered and said, He is deserving of death. We finally found out. We finally found it. Kill him. And then comes the humiliation. On top of all of that, so, so in mind and thought and spirit, he's remaining cool, calm, and collective, and, and he's, he's honoring the Father, and he's staying away from sin, and every thought is, is right and on point and good and great, and then, verse 67, and then they spit in your face, and then they spat in his face and beat him with his, their fists. And others slapped him. Of course, they mocked him and said, prophesy. So add all of that up. And we're not at the cross yet. And he still has to maintain the right spirit, the right emotion, without sin. To keep his emotions under control. And perhaps you've had maybe a, a night that is just a horrific night or, or difficult days or times in your life where you struggle to keep your emotions intact. You know, you, you try not to lash out, right? Jesus couldn't lash out in anger. That would be a sin. You, you try not to concoct an idea of revenge. You, you couldn't do that. You, you, try not to, you try not to retaliate. You're in this place where, where you have to remind yourself not to give up. Don't give up Jesus at any moment. Remember, he could have called the angels. He could have destroyed the world. But no, he, he didn't. And he had to remember this one thing. I love these people. For God so loved the world. You ever had a bad day? <laughs> bad days produce in most of us a really bad attitude. And we have to fight that attitude. We have to, we have to fight that attitude... And then when you add emotional distress or stress to that, that bad day, with Jesus, they added physical suffering and pain from the beating. Then on top of that was this great moment of humiliation. And Jesus chose not to sin. He humbled himself 
to the point of death. From a human perspective, I might have thought something like, after all that I've done for you for these last 33 years, and you treat me like this, I might even recount, right? Am I, you know, I fed the, the five, you know, I might recount some, I can't believe you people. But that's, that's not what Jesus, that's not what he did. He humbled himself. Then this statement is made, right? In verse 66, what do you think? They answered and said, he, Jesus, the innocent, the perfect, and the pure, is deserving of death. You deserve to die because you're not like us, or whatever the... You know, you've got to keep your emotions intact. <laughs> just, no, you can't do that. You can't, the frustration and the ain't no. No, not the Lord. Isaiah 53 that, that, that scripture that reminds us of this whole scene and, and what was going on and the, the, the temptation of Jesus at the cross. And even, you, you know, when you think about temptation, the Father, right, tempted to stop it all, but he, but he can't. The Father, the Holy Spirit have to maintain their resolve. You've got to let it all happen. In verse 5, but he was pierced through for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, the chastening for our well-being fell upon him and by his scourging we are healed. In verse 8, verse 8 says, by oppression and judgment he was taken away and as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due? It wasn't Jesus who was deserving of death, right? It was them. And they echo the statement, and, and Jesus doesn't retaliate. Philip, uh, First Peter tells us that, chapter 2, while, while being reviled, he didn't revile in return, he, he just did it. He, he chose not to. So what we need to do, I think, as God's people is find a way to dig into the mind of the scriptures, the Holy Spirit revealed, dig into the mind of Jesus, and ask, how can I be like Jesus when, when, when my emotions are not quite intact as they ought to be. Back to Matthew, please, 26. At the scene of the cross, what I want to focus on now for just a few minutes, and then I'll let you go. Betrayal. Betrayal is a, is a word today when, you, when, when most humans, if you look up the, the, the psychology side of betrayal, you, you'll find that betrayal... Uh, has the ability to cause a human distress, shock, grief, doubt, certainly uh, anger. We, we might use another word, maybe a synonym for betrayal is like disloyalty. Right? So imagine, you know, you, you, you know we, we've heard about it, we, we've seen it, and pray God you haven't experienced it, but, but a spouse goes out and cheats on, on the spouse, and, and there's this betrayal, this feeling. Uh, you know, those feelings that hit you that, that just that put you in, in, in utter shock or, or anger or frustration, whatever. It, Jesus has been betrayed. 
And, and so that emotion of, 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 of being in a relationship where there's supposed to be loyalty and you find disloyalty and, and it's done in a, in a worse way. It's done so that Jesus is about to die. What a horrible feeling. What a heart-wrenching emotion. And though there's a heart-wrenching emotion that goes on, Jesus remains cool, calm, and collective. He controls his emotional thoughts. Matthew 26, it's a choice. But it's real difficult. Verse 45. Then he came to the disciples and he said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? Behold, the hour is at hand and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Arise. Let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. And we know it's Judas. We know that. He doesn't say, but Judas, for three years, if anyone should know me, Judas, you should. He doesn't go down that rabbit trail. Maybe that's, maybe that's helpful, right? To not go down that rabbit trail. Maybe that really, maybe that's a, a key in this whole situation. All these scenarios, he doesn't go down the rabbit trail of, of chasing why this shouldn't be happening to him. Instead, he accepts it is what it is, and, and, he, and he keeps himself under control, and he does not allow the situation or the circumstance to overpower him. Right? So he doesn't chase it. He doesn't go down that route. Judas comes, he gives him a kiss, we know that. Look at verse 14 of Matthew 26. And one of the twelve named Judas Iscariot went to the chief priest and said, What are you willing to give me to deliver him up to you? And they weighed out to him thirty pieces of silver. And here's something we learn about betrayal. Betrayal in the lives of humans and in the minds of people sometimes has nothing to do with you. Right? Like if someone betrays me, it may have absolutely nothing to do with me or our relationship. It may just simply be their weakness. What was Judas? A lover of money. Judas was a lover of money and all he wanted to do was make a deal and get some money and then his life would be set in his own mind and he was great. He felt wonderful about the deal that he made. Judas may not have even thought about Jesus other than the fact that he could make money off of Jesus. When some have sat in my office having been betrayed, they go, what have I done to deserve this? And sometimes the answer is, it really has nothing to do with you. Isn't that amazing to think about that? This person chose to do what they chose to do simply because they were weak. And it was their temptation and their desire and their struggle. And that's why they did what they did. And it was completely wrong. But this has nothing to do with you. And yet, 
at the same time, it has everything to do with you. Right? It's betrayal. So Judas was just trying to earn a buck. He was a thief, even with the Lord in his presence. And in verse 16, and from then on, he began looking for a good opportunity to betray him. And then in Mark 15, the betrayal, and then not only the betrayal, Jesus even knows why. What is the whole thing that's going on as Pilate witnesses it? In Mark 15 and the verse 10, Pilate says, or spoken for Pilate, for he was aware that the chief priest had delivered him up because it had nothing to do with what Jesus did wrong. Right? It wasn't that Jesus was bad. It wasn't that he did wrong things. It wasn't. It was envy. People can be envious of you, not because you did anything wrong, but just because they want to be what you are and they cannot. Right? You know, people do that all the time. Like uh, uh, someone's envious of you because you're better at, at sports or you're better at, at writing or better whatever it is. And so they're envious of you. It has nothing to do with your ability and your God given a talent that you're using against them. It's just simply because they want to be what you are and cannot. And so for that reason, they treat you improperly, wrong, sinfully. They were envious of Jesus. Instead of, instead of mimicking the life of Jesus and becoming like Jesus, they recognized that their own love for money and their own hatred and sinful ways made it impossible for them to be like him. And so they were envious of Jesus Christ. How do you feel when people are just envious of you? And you start going down that rabbit trail and saying, well, I've never, I've never done anything to this person. I don't know why they treat me that way. I, I don't understand why they're doing this. I, and, and, our, and we get, we don't, we're in this situation where we get into this room with them and it's awkward. And then I'm trying to figure out what do I say, and they're trying to figure out what they're going to say, and it's an awkward situation, those awkward moments. In those awkward moments, instead of chasing or going down the rabbit trail, just compose yourself like Jesus. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 4 again, please. Just compose yourself like Jesus, recognizing that this situation that you're in, Although you are in this situation, it may have absolutely nothing to do with you. You know what happens to people when they're in that situation? Our esteem sometimes begin to lower, right? We start feeling bad about them. We start, you know, I, I guess I'm not as, I'm, you know, we start thinking badly about ourselves because of the actions of others. Sometimes it has nothing to do with you. And that's hard for us to conceptualize, to understand the idea that this has nothing to do with me. This is all that individual. You know, most times it's not. I, I get that. But in Jesus' case, it had nothing to do with him. It was because of them. Verse 15 of Hebrews chapter 4. I just tonight, I want to close out with when you're feeling emotionally distraught, and you're struggling in your life, and you're just kind of thinking things through when you're trying to figure out how to work, to work through them. I want you to go back and look at the cross, and we'll pick up some more of this lovely next week. 
I want you to go back and, and look. And look at Jesus. And think about the things that he's been through. And understand this one point. Jesus knows where you are. And he can get you through it. Verse 15. But we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. But one who has been through it. Right? Who has been tempted in all things as we are. And yet without sin. He's been through it. And he handled it perfectly. And he left us an example. And we just have to dig a little bit to gain a deeper understanding of how he did it, and hopefully to strengthen ourselves so that we will learn ourselves how to do it and able or be able to participate in that kind of mindset. The lesson tonight is yours. If tonight we can pray with you or pray for you, please make it known. If there are any who would like to submit to God in the waters of baptism, we invite you to come tonight. As together we stand and sing our song of invitation. Have thine own way, Lord.